Now sit back and relax as you listen to the Texas State Sports Podcast. Find us online at TexasStateSports.com. Well, 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 here we are again for another edition of the Texas State Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Tyler May 4th. Texas State enters this week with an overall record of 6-4 and four after losing last week to Arkansas State 38-21. For a half, the Bobcats kept up with the back-to-back defending champions, but a lousy third quarter and a lack of rush defense sent them to a loss. Now Texas State returns home to face Western Kentucky in the final collegiate game to be played at Bobcat Stadium in 2013. A loss would kill the Bobcats' bowl chances, while a win would keep them alive. Now to learn more about the Hilltoppers, let's bring in Chad Bishop of the Bowling Green Daily News in this week's Insider Interview. One thing I noticed on your Twitter, and I get it sometimes on mine, I want to ask you, why do why are you so slanted against Western Kentucky, or why are you such a homer for them? Because it seems as if people, you know, Western Kentucky fans, the Hilltopper fans, just love to either say you're, you're, you're Petrino's mouthpiece or you're the worst thing to ever happen to that program. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it just comes with the territory. Part of the job of being a beat writer is something I've learned to to live with and uh, and actually enjoy. You know, I love talking to the fans. It's it's funny. Fans of other schools think I'm a Western Kentucky fan, and Western Kentucky fans uh, think I hate Western Kentucky. So it's it's always a you know a daily thing you got to deal with to try to explain to people that I don't care one way or the other. I'm just here to report what's going on. But uh, you know they don't listen. They already have their minds made up. And, uh, it's always fun to get in banter with folks though on Twitter. And one thing I no- I'm noticing in the Sun Belt, a lot of Sun Belt beat writers are slowly getting to the point where they like to converse with fans on Twitter. I, I love to talk to my fans. You know, they can find me at, at SMDR Tyler. Uh, you love to converse with them, I see. What do you think it is about just Twitter that makes it so effortless and so fun to, to trade ideas? I think it's, you know, instant information and I think, you know, you know, beat writers who do a good job of it, you know, build a rapport and, and, and a trust that the fans know, you know, this guy or this, this young lady is close to the program. Let's go to them, ask them that they're going to be the ones to know, uh, you know, they'll give me a straight answer. Um, and I think it's kind of the new age of sports journalism and, and I like it. You know, you got to be careful with what you say. You never know who's watching, but, uh, I think if you do it the right way, like, you know, a lot of some LB writers are doing, um, it, it's a great tool to have. So, you know, I'm glad of the invention. Sometimes you, it feels like a monster, but I think if you uh, control it, you know, it can be used wisely. And like Corn's, you know, song Monster on a Leash, you just got to put a leash on the thing and kind of guide it around. But um, but you mentioned Tennessee earlier, so we might as well kind of jump into Western Kentucky's football season. Uh, they started off with a big win against uh, Kentucky, then they got drilled by, uh, you know, Tennessee with all, all those turnovers and a a surprising loss to South Alabama, and then you go on from there, and now they've won two in a row. What is your impression of how the season's gone for the Hilltoppers? It's been a weird season. It's really hard to put your finger on. I mean, this excuse me, this football team is actually you know pretty good statistically, and and when Texas State fans get to see them on Saturday, I mean they got a lot of weapons offensively. Defense plays you know pretty good, sound fundamental football. Uh, but they haven't been able to play consistent. They've turned the ball over way too many times, 28 times this year, which is, you know, really insane. So, you know, week in and week out, you, you don't know what you're going to get. I, I could see them going to San Marcos on Saturday and, 
you know, winning 42 to 10. I could also see them losing 20 to 3. It's just one of those football teams where they're wildly inconsistent, um, you know, a lot of talent, but just really, I think, struggling to, to learn the system under Petrino and staff and, and be uh, have that really good continuity. So it's been an interesting season uh, for sure. Now, what do you think uh, Petrino brought to the program uh, upon his hiring? Because he's one of several new coaches in the Sun Belt this year, um, with others being, you know, Brian Harson as well as uh, Trent Miles at Georgia State. Uh, um, what do you think Petrino truly brought, brought to the program and have the players truly bought in to what he's you know, preaching? Yeah, you know, he, he definitely brought a, a big-time level of excitement. I mean, um, you know, Willie Taggart had this program on the rise, and I truly believe he would have been here another year that they would have been competing for a Sun Belt Conference championship. But Bobby Petrino is a name that every college football in the fan, every college football fan in the world knows. Uh, but even more so in the state of Kentucky because he had Louisville really at the top of the college football landscape when he left there to go to the Atlanta Falcons. So it was a, a guy that a lot of people around here were familiar with. And I also think it, it just kind of sent a message to the community um, that this this school is, is serious about its football program. You know, they didn't sit back and, and hire an up-and-comer. They they went and got the, the big name, you know, despite all his off-the-field issues and, and really made a big splash. Um, and then, you know, on the field, his players really from day one bought in. There weren't, you know, there were a couple of defections like there is with any, you know, new hiring or a new uh, coaching change. But for the most part, the guys – you know, really bought in. They understood Coach Petrino's pedigree and his record. Um, so they didn't shy away from the change at all, really. And, um, you know, the results have not translated on the field, but for the most part, those guys have, have done a good job uh, doing things Petrino's way. And where do you think uh, Western Kentucky now falls in the hierarchy of uh, college football teams in Kentucky? Because there are, there are FBS football teams, I should say. There are, there are several, but as you mentioned, they went for the big hire. They went for the, the the guy that people know, and they're seeing results, and they're seeing that they're bowl eligible once again. But where do you think fans, general college football fans, place the Hilltoppers among, you know, the Kentuckys and Louisville's and that kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it's a good question because, you know, first and foremost, it is a basketball state. You know, despite Louisville's success in football, um, you know, everybody looks towards basketball first. So while you may have – you know, a Kentucky basketball fan, they might be a Western Kentucky football fan. Or if you might have a Louisville basketball fan, they might be a Western Kentucky fan, um, you know, during the football season. It's kind of a weird dynamic around here. Uh, but but I think, you know, Western Kentucky is definitely on the rise. Louisville is obviously the big-time program right now with Coach Charlie Strong and the success they had. You know, Kentucky is, is quite frankly, not a very good football program, but I, I think they're going to be fine in time. Uh, they've, they've improved all year long. And like I said, Western Kentucky is on the rise. So, you know, I don't know if, if WKU would be, you know, 2A or 2B or maybe 2 all alone. Uh, but, I, you know, I think they're right there with Kentucky. And Kentucky fans, you know, hate to hear that. But realistically, I think that's the truth. Oh, you're going to get some tweets now. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, one thing that Petrino also brought with him, you know, along with his all-field issues, was just the idea of having a run-first mentality. Um, wherever he was – he loved to run the football, and this is no different at Western Kentucky. How good is Antonio Andrews? I mean, fans are going to see him on Saturday, but what does Antonio Andrews do to be such a good running back with 1,407 rushing yards this season? I believe fourth in the nation. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but what is Andrews doing this year that is just light years above everyone else? Well, you know, first and foremost is consistency. There, there's not a week where he doesn't have a good game or bring his, you know, total effort. 
Um, he has outstanding vision, uh, is able to break ta- tackles very well. You know, he's not the fastest guy in the Sunbelt Conference and, uh, you know, not the fastest running back in the country, but just the determination and effort with which he runs is, is something that I think is very, very underrated. Uh, there'll be times on Saturday against Texas State where, it, or excuse me, Texas State where it looks like he's dropped for a, you know, three or four yard loss. Um, and he comes out of that and gains, you know, three or four or five yards. And he, he barely ever goes down on that first hit. Uh, he can also catch the ball out of the backfield amazingly well. He's going to return punts and kicks. Uh, he just really does it all. And, and, and he followed Bobby Rainey, who's now in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think kind of learned under his, under his tutelage and uh, has really stepped up his senior year. And uh, there's a pretty good chance he'll be in the NFL next year as well. You, you've obviously covered this program for a little while, and you've seen the Hilltoppers face some other opponents. Uh, where would you put um, Antonio Andrews in your pantheon of running backs that you've seen either run for Western Kentucky like a Bobby Rainey or an opponent that faced Western Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely up there. Bobby Rainey, you know, I think is number one. He was just, you know, kind of the all-time great here. Um, and Antonio Andrews will go down as one of the best in school history. And, um, you know, anytime you talk about great running backs in the history of the school, he's going to be in top five. Um, it, it's funny when you talk about Antonio Andrews or Bobby Rainey, opposing fans will say, well, yeah, we'll look at, you know, he did that against, you know, Sunbelt competition. But, you know, honestly, those guys did it, you know, against the Kentuckys and the LSUs and the Alabamas and the Tennessees. Um, you know, they, they played some pretty strong non-conference, you know, big payday games. And those guys put up numbers uh, against that type of competition. So uh, they're special running backs. It's been a pleasure for me to be able to cover them last last few years. And even though the coaching staff probably won't admit it, they need to be licking their chops at seeing what Arkansas State to Texas State last Saturday, 328 rushing yards. You know, Michael Gordon with 184 yards of 19 carries. The guy is just with three touchdowns. I thought he covered 40 yards in two seconds. On a, on one on one play earlier in the game, a forty yard forty one yard touchdown run. I mean, they don't call him Flash for nothing. But do you think um, you know Western Kentucky and Antonio Andrews is, are licking their chops when they're looking at the game tape, knowing that maybe Arkansas State de- developed a, a blueprint against this Texas State run defense that had been one of the best in the nation entering last year, week's game. I would think so, yeah, but, you know, it's easier said than done. Uh, I think they thought that going into the Army game a couple weeks ago, Army is one of the the worst uh, run defenses in the nation, and they weren't really able to run the ball on them too much, especially in the first half getting shut out. So it's one thing to look at that game game film and and see those numbers, uh, but it's another thing to go out there and execute it. And and like I said, consistency has been such an issue for a football team that should run the ball, you know, a, a ton against any team they play with an experienced offensive line. Uh, but Bobby Petrino is kind of a stubborn offensive coach. He likes to throw it just as much as he passes it. Um, so, yeah, they, they probably do look at that game field, film, realize how talented Texas State's defense is, kind of see what Arkansas State did, and they might try to emulate that. Uh, but it, it's definitely, like I said, easier said than done. And um, one thing that you mentioned earlier are the turnovers, and a guy that has a lot of turnovers this year is uh, Brennan Doherty, um, 14 picks and 305 attempts. He's completed 67% of his passes, though. Um, but it, what is Doherty's problem? Is it that he's trying to force the ball in there too much? Is he making the wrong reads? What is your? Uh, I know you're not a football coach, but from the press box, what are you seeing? It's a mix of, of almost everything. Uh, he's got a really young wide receiving core. Um, some of those interceptions, um, you know, one 
the wide receiver had a hit right off the shoulder pads, went for a pick six against Tennessee. Uh, another game, a wide receiver ran a wrong route. You know, the, the DB jumped it and, and made the pick. Uh, there's been, you know, some drop passes. Uh, the young man's also trying to learn an entirely new offense, which we all, we all know Bobby Petrino's offenses are, are pretty complex, probably one of the more complex offenses in the country. Um, and, and I, you know, he's a junior who hadn't really started before this year. So I think he's dealing with some confidence issues as well. And, and those have grown as the season goes, has gone on. Uh, his interceptions, yeah, he does have 14, but you know, only a couple of the last few weeks. You know, there was a time where he was throwing three or four a game, you know, has been benched twice this season. Uh, you know, but the kid is a good quarterback and he's coming along. And, and like I said, you know, he could come out Saturday and throw for 300 or 400 yards, uh, but he, he could also come out and throw a couple interceptions. And I think that's just part of the process. Him learning the offense, gaining confidence, you know, trying to get a young wide receiving group along the season as well. So I think in time he'll be good. Um, if he sticks around and plays, you know, as a senior next year, he could be one of the top quarterbacks in the conference, but he's definitely got a long way to go still. And so much is made of Bobby Petrino's offensive prowess, but this defense for Western Kentucky is just ridiculous. I'm looking at their stats right now. Davius Boyd, I mean, 89 total tackles, 14 and a half tackles for a loss, seven and a half sacks. Then, of course, there's Andrew Jackson um, and, you know, Jonathan Dowling, and they have 20 sacks as a team. What is it about this defense that just looks like it causes so many problems for the opposition? Well, they were, you know, considered to be the strength coming into this season. Everybody knew they would be good. They returned, you know, pretty much the entire back end, you know, the back seven from last year's team. Defensive line was a huge question mark. They lost all those kids from 2012, but still had some talent on the roster. So it's it's really no secret or no surprise of the numbers they're putting up. They were expected, you know, kind of were slow out of the gates, but really come on strong as, as the season's progressed. Um, they fly around to the football, have a lot of experience, especially in the secondary. You mentioned Andrew Jackson and Xavier's Boyd. I mean, Andrew Jackson is, is likely to be an NFL draft pick, and Xavier's Boyd has had a senior season to maybe make him considered to be a professional football player as well. So, I mean, you got you got two, you know, NFL-type linebackers anchoring your defense, and um, they've been able to have an outstanding season. Uh, the one thing that's been missing is turnovers from that unit. You know, they haven't got a lot of turnovers this year, and they preach that every week and are still looking for that signature game where they get three or four turnovers. Um, but but outside of that, you're right, they've been very, very good, as they were expected to be. And one of the things you just mentioned are is that linebacking core for Western Kentucky. And also one thing that Texas State has is a solid linebacking core as well with, uh, you know, Mike Repo and um, Damian McMiller, Stephen Smith coming on as a redshirt freshman, Damian McMiller as well. Um, would you call the linebacking core the strength of that unit, or is it the back end, the, you know, the secondary? Yeah, I, I really think it's the secondary. I mean, they had, you know, four guys back there who started a ton last season, and, and they even lost Keontae Young, who was a starter uh, at the beginning of the year with an injury, and he still wasn't back yet. Uh, and then they had a pretty good recruiting class behind that coming in of, of defensive backs. And, um, you know, those guys, they rank, you know, I believe it's either 12th or 14th in the nation against the pass. Uh, they do an outstanding job in pass coverage. Um, sometimes it, it doesn't really look that way because they're kind of a bend-don't-break defense. Uh, but the secondary, to me, is key. It, it makes it really tough on quarterbacks to throw. Um, so, you know, uh, Texas, I think Texas State's passing game, you know, this Saturday will definitely be a, a key against that unit. And how how much of a plus has it been, do you think, this season for Western Kentucky going to this game against Texas State that they've already faced two 
run first option teams in Navy and Army that they know, even though Texas State is not running the same kind of offense, even though um, Arkansas State's media was convinced that Texas State was running the wishbone, um, that they still have seen these types of teams that need to be fundamental and sound. Does that only play into their strengths for this weekend's game? I think it does. You know, I came into the season and I looked at that Navy game and, and I honestly thought Western Kentucky would not be able to stop that option. And, and they, you know, they just shut Navy down. And it was really the same thing against Army. Army had a couple big runs. But for the most part, you know, the Hilltoppers were on point defending that option game. Um, so if there's teams out there, you know, who are trying to, you know, run the spread option or any variation, you know, of, a, of an option offense, I, I, Western Kentucky is going to be prepared for it. Then you add in the fact they're coming off a bye week and have really had two two weeks to prepare for whatever Texas State is going to throw at them. Uh, that's going to help as well. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that will probably be an advantage for them on Saturday. This is the third consecutive uh, road game for the Hilltoppers, and usually that would worry some teams. But at the neutral set against Kentucky, uh, Western Kentucky won. Obviously, we talked about that Tennessee game earlier. They got drubbed there. Um, they lost on the road to you know South Alabama. But since then, they've won their last uh, three road games. So is this team kind of finding its own right now to, to be able to, to play on the road? Um, I guess it, it's – senior leadership and, and mental toughness is uh, any coach will say. You know, for whatever reason, this team has just played well on the road the last few years. I don't, it, I don't know if it has to do with maybe the, the culture, you know, around Bowling Green and around, around WKU where so much is expected of them and, and maybe they get a little, you know, gun shy when they play home games. But when they go on the road, um, they seem to perform really well. You know, they had that really, really long losing streak between 2000 and 2008, 2010, and they finally broke that on the road. Um, you know, they didn't win a home game, I don't believe, until 2011, coming off that long streak. It's just one of these things where these guys kind of feed off the energy of the opposing crowd. Um, they kind of love to play the villain role. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if it'll be much of a home field advantage for Texas State. Not saying, you know, the Bobcat fans wouldn't provide one. I just think, you know, the Hilltoppers, for whatever reason, love playing in that environment. They, they kind of crack under pressure at home and kind of thrive under it on the road. So um, it's just one of those things that's the way this team's been the last couple of years, and, you know, that's kind of why I expect them to play awfully well on Saturday in a, in a road environment. It's also senior day for the Bobcats on Saturday, and Texas State, in my opinion, needs to win these last two games to be able to defend its way for a bowl. So that kind of plays right into the, the Hilltoppers' villain atmosphere to ruin two things, senior day and bowl chances. But um, for – for Western Kentucky, if fans are watching, if Texas State fans are watching this game come Saturday, what is the one thing they should see that they might get an idea that they're going that the Bobcats are going to win the game? Is it the fact that you know Brandon Doughty is, is throwing some picks? Is it that Antonio Andrews can't find the seam? If there are one or two things that are not going Western Kentucky's way, what are they, and how can Texas State kind of take advantage of that? Yeah, it, it's definitely, I think, you know, it falls under the same category as, as, as the turnovers category. I mean, if WKU comes out and is throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball, it's going to be a long day for them. And, and something that goes into that is they have, they've struggled really bad in the red zone this year for whatever reason between the 20s. You know, these guys can move it all over the field and, and almost look at times like an NFL offense out there against a college team. But once they get down to the 20, you know, they kind of tighten up a little bit, you know, throw some incompletions, some drop balls, uh, maybe, you know, run, you know, in between the wrong gap on a running play. 
whatever the case may be, and, and have to settle for first a field goal. So, you know, if you're a Texas State fan and, and WKU comes out there and is moving it all up and down the field, you know, but maybe they're stopping at the nine or the, or the five and kicking some field goals, there's going to be hope for the Bobcats because uh, that's been a problem all year long for WKU not to be able to put the ball in the end zone. On the other hand, if they come out and then put up a couple quick touchdowns, I think that could be a bad sign for the whole team. And one thing I noticed that the, uh, you know, Vegas Insider, the, the, the cream of the crop of betting sites, if you want to take a look at all uh, betting lines across Las Vegas, uh, WKU is about a, a four-point favorite entering this game, and you want to go ahead and add the three-point juice for the home team. That brings it up to seven um, because it got knocked down from seven to four probably. Do you think that is a correct assessment for where this game would be, and do you see Western Kentucky as a – you know, a four-point or seven-point favorite in this one. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I almost kind of felt like it might be a pick-em game. I mean, these two teams to me are, are, are pretty similar. I mean, you know, um, you know, kind of up and down, maybe a little bit inconsistent, and kind of have found their way maybe later in the season uh, than than sooner in the year. Um, you know, I could make a case for Texas State being favored. I could make a case for the Hilltoppers being favored. You know, I don't know if they'll be able to go in there and win by a touchdown. That you know. But then again, like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, I never know what to expect out of this team. So those folks in Vegas know a heck of a lot more than I do. So if they say four to seven, you know, so be it. But doesn't that make it so much more fun as writers when you don't know what's going to happen? I mean, if you go in and you're like Georgia State's beat writer, okay, I need to formulate another loss story. But in this case, in West Kentucky's or Texas State's case, it's a grab bag of, of uh, opportunities and chances. Hey. You're exactly right, and that's you know that's what I'm saying. I mean, this team, it's on the one hand, it's it's a little wild, a, a little bit of a roller coaster year, but you know on the other hand, it's good because you never know what kind of score you're going to get or who's going to be the hero or maybe the goat of the day. Um, you know, these guys can can come out and beat Kentucky one week, and two weeks later they'll they'll lose on the road to South Alabama and, or beat Navy, and then uh, lose a home game to Troy. So they're just you know kind of up and down, and you're just kind of waiting for them to put it all together, and maybe this will be the week that they do it. All right, well, uh, guys, that was Chad Bishop of the uh, the Bowling Green Daily News. As always, you can find him on Twitter at Mr. Chad Bishop. If you want to accuse him of being a Western Kentucky homer, go ahead, or whatever you guys like to do on that Twitter world. Um, but anyway, Chad, I would really like to thank you for uh, joining me on the Texas State Sports Podcast this week. Heck yeah, it's been a pleasure. Can't wait to see you on Saturday. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Texas State Sports Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at tmayforth at sammarcosrecord.com, find me on Twitter at smdrtyler, or leave a comment on our Facebook fan page, which can be found by searching Texas State Sports. Be sure to follow my coverage all season long, but especially this week, as we try to find out if Texas State can send its 24 seniors out with a win in their last home game. As always, you can find my coverage online at sammarcosrecord.com and on the blog at texasstatesports.com.